This podcast is meant for entertainment purposes only. The information and opinions are derived from individuals and are not to be taken as a guarantee. We here at In The Money provide you with content, not a guarantee of performance. We are not liable for any bets or action you take as a result of this podcast. Welcome to episode two of Lock It In. We hope you join us for this episode where we will be previewing the NFC over-unders. We're going to go ahead and look at some teams, give you a little bit of a breakdown for the upcoming season. We hope you enjoy the podcast. Like, because he, cause he had that yeah. suspension, because he got pulled, or not the suspension, he got the citation for getting pulled over, and they're like, he couldn't get out of his own head, blah, blah, blah. So, you know, speaking of being in your own head. Right. And then they were like, David Njoku does fucking, uh, like, meditation. yeah, he does meditation. <laughs> That's an amazing transition, you know what I'm saying? Cause she bougie Ass got me feeling woozy I'm rolling loosely She begging She can't be choosy We make a movie yeah. Starring Ricky Ricardo And she my Lucy, Lucy. Cut, it's a rap Put the beat up on the map Yeah, I need my pockets fat So I ain't got time to chat yeah. In the trees like I'm sat what? They don't get it Take a lap yeah. Waking up to a snaps In the booth Take a nap Why her mom have to say She never seen something this rare When you see me And come up to me Just say what's poppin' player what's poppin'? You can hit me And come kick it We can put one in the Air, Cause I'm smoking like I'm Willie, play guitar just like I'm Mayor. Ooh, yeah. Ooh, I like it when she wear that juicy suit. Did you see the end of the first episode when Greg Williams was talking about the lozenge? That was last episode. No, but he, it was the very end of the first episode when he first said it. Oh, with the, uh, uh, I have, I have a lozenge bitch or something? <laughs> it's just like, yeah, I have a lozenge bitch. <laughs> it was so funny, man. I can't think of two better people to fucking be on Hard Knocks than Greg Williams and Todd Haley. They're like two of the biggest fucking assholes, and they are hilarious, dude. And honestly, it's funny to watch Hugh Jackson on Hard Knocks. Because <laughs> you can tell why the Browns aren't very good. Yeah, he doesn't really say he's pretty. He's not good. He should not be head coach. Yeah, it's always tough to tell from that thing, like from a Hard Knocks thing for me, like, Who's a good coach? I will coach, say, like, NFL head coach is like one of the hardest jobs out there. Looking at it, you know, you tell me what what's popping out, what's funny, what's interesting to you, what are the storylines we're looking at? Let's look at Jalen Ramsey just giving his opinion on half the NFL starting quarterbacks. It was pretty awesome today. Love that. <laughs> Love that. It's, it's great to see him rip guys left and right. Old know. old radio guys are going to hate that. Your, your, your Mike Francesa is going to say, hey, why is this kid talking? What has he ever done? But I love it. I think it's fucking oh, hilarious. I'm loving every part of that. Mostly because uh, I agree with some of the guys he's trashing, but I love that he's just taking shots at everybody. Yeah, because he's, he's that guy, though, and I, I, I respect that he's <laughs> consistently that guy. You know what I'm saying? I mean, just about Rodgers and Brady... Does they both? They're both. Their characteristics are doesn't suck. <laughs> he's one of the best players in the league already. He's a stud. Yeah, I mean, no, he's, he's a he's a bona fide stud. I'm all about. I'm really all about these guys. This is what the NFL's was born on, dude. This is in the early 2000s when it was taken over. Ocho Cinco, you know. I need more of that. I just love that he called. I just love that he called Josh Allen trash. I think Allen is trash. I don't care what nobody say. He's trash, and it's gonna show too. 
This is that's a stupid draft pick to me. We played them this year, and I'm excited as hell. I hope he's their starting quarterback. He played at Wyoming. Every time they played a big school, like they played Iowa State, which is not a big school in my opinion, because I went to Florida State, and he threw five interceptions, and they lost by a couple touchdowns or something. He never beat a big school. <laughs> he's not wrong. No, he's not. Everything he says is right, but he's such a cocky asshole. And he's consistent about being a cocky asshole, so I'm for it. I'm so for it. I'm, I'm with you. I think that's, uh, that's that's the diva move that you need for these NFL players. This guy's trying to be Deion Sanders out here, and I'm all about it. And to Alan's credit, to Alan's credit, he had the answer. He read it, I'm pretty sure, from a fucking textbook. That's the first I've heard of it. He's not on my team. He's not my teammate. It don't bother me. So he, that's a good answer. I mean, it's out of the textbook. It's it's not going to inflame any sort of more criticism. Because if you're Josh Allen, run and hide. Just get away from this story as fast right. as you can. Josh Allen needs no more enemies, you know. He's eliminated pretty much, you know, all the colored fan base in the NFL. Yeah. Any minorities not yeah. loving Josh Allen. Yeah. And, and that first week... You know, I don't, you know, it's not really about how you play in the preseason. It's just don't be on the fuck-up highlight tape. And Josh Allen was on the fuck-up highlight tape with that fourth, with that uh, fourth down play where he, like, scrambled around, like, threw it away, looked like a complete <laughs> asshole. But he, he made some good throws. Like, he's got a fucking cannon. He made some good throws. And, like, it's the preseason, so it doesn't really matter. But all you need to do as a rookie preseason is just don't fuck up. Just don't be that guy who's on the fucking highlight tape for fucking up. Right, and like, the bar has been set so low by some of these really terrible quarterbacks that have played uh, in the preseason that... First round picks, too, who just end up sucking. It doesn't mean anything. I'm not buying into it, but he can throw. I'm not a fan. I've never really been a fan. What do you make of... I say, I'm all about his Matt Ryan commentary, though. You're you're a Matt Ryan's overrated guy, huh? I'm a hater on Matt Ryan. I'm, I'm, I'm actually going to take the opposite position on that one. I, I like Matt Ryan. I don't think he's the best quarterback. You, you maybe even can get away with he's overrated because I could understand the argument you could put together with that one. But, you know, he, he's a guy who he's not necessarily, you know, he's a little bit better than a game manager, a little bit better than Alex Smith type. But he gets the ball in the hands of the playmakers, and he lets the playmakers do the work. And as a quarterback, that's all I need. I need a guy who's not going to fuck me over and who's going to make the plays. That Super Bowl loss is not on Matt Ryan. He should have won a Super Bowl. He played a pretty good game. They needed to run the ball. I agree, but he was the quarterback on the team that blew a huge lead. So, yeah, that takes some of the fall. No, and yeah, definitely. Dude, that his team is stacked, and it's been stacked. Kyle Shanahan just used the playmakers, and Matt Ryan's got the ball. Yeah, that's all you need. He's a trigger man. He's not He's not the best quarterback in the league. I'm not trying to say he's an Aaron Rodgers or a Brady or anything like that, but he's a very good quarterback who, with the talent around him, can make the plays that you need him to make. Yeah. He's not so dissimilar from your boy Kirk, your boy I Kirk agree. Cousins. They're, they're pretty similar guys, honestly. I'm with you on that. I think he's about that quality of player. He's not going to go out there and win you a title, No. But if the title comes to him, he cannot fuck it up. What do you make of the, uh, there's that his, has his hysterical story of Brady didn't shake Foles' hand after 
uh, after the Super Bowl, which is such an ESPN, like, let's just make something up to drive intrigue story. Stephen A. story. <laughs> Stephen A. and Max, baby. <laughs> yeah, anyway, so what do you make of that? What do you make of that whole Foles versus Brady thing? I think it's hilarious. I'm, I'm with you. I, I mean... I think Foles, I think the only way Foles can get any respect on his name is after the game, the preseason game they have, he has to walk up to Brady and punch him in the face. It's the only way he can get any type of respect back. Brady not shake his hand at the end of the game. Let's go ahead and start with our first team in our team previews here, the, the G-Men. We're going to start with the NFC East. We're going to start with the New York football giants they're still called the football giants despite the fact that there hasn't been a baseball giants in new york in you know 60 years but i digress for the giants this year their over under is pegged at seven and a half regular season wins with minus 155 odds on either side of the over under so this one is sort of a pick em. which one do you like over seven and a half under seven and a half for the new york giants this year i'm all on the I'm all on the under for this. I think they are not going to be that good, quite honestly. Their offense is going to be probably better, but does anybody think Eli can really still play? I think he's been he's shown he's pretty terrible now. Um, he's not getting any better. Davis Webb didn't look very good, so it's not like they have another option there. No, they've got nothing. And, like, Eli, is, he's really just past his prime. And the I just – I like Barkley. Don't get me wrong, and Beckham's a stud. Obviously, but, they've got some good offensive line. But the, but the one the thing... The question remains is they have, haven't had an offensive line for four years. Yeah. And the D, I don't think they're going to be great. I, I, I was going to go right to the offensive line point, and how many times have you seen the NFL, a marginal running back, look so much better behind a great offensive line versus a great, a, a pretty good running back look really bad behind a terrible offensive line. And so I think Barkley's going to be good this year no matter what, right? Because I think he's sort of a special talent and he can play. But I just don't really see their offensive line being good enough where they can be a team that dominates you running the ball. And like you said, I don't see Eli Manning being good enough where he could be a quick trigger man. He's going to need time in the pocket to be successful. And I don't think their offensive line is going to be able to provide him. You know, they start right right out of the gate. Their first four weeks are against Jacksonville, Dallas, Houston, New Orleans. Those are great. Those teams all have very good defensive lines. Those are good teams. I mean, that's probably three or four of the best, probably top ten defenses in the NFL. In Houston, New Orleans, and Jacksonville. Yeah. And then Dallas yeah. is decent. Dallas is going to be yeah. decent this year. And Dallas then they... has actually a, a very solid D-line now. DeMarcus Lawrence is a yeah. stud pass rusher. That's what I'm saying. And then they, then they go to at Carolina in week five, so it's not like it gets a whole lot easier than the defending champs Philly in week six. I don't think they're going to go 0-6, but if you told me we're sitting here and they lost to Jacksonville, Dallas, Houston, New Orleans, Carolina, and Philly... All in a row. Like, who, what, which of those teams are they better than? Tell me. You know, like... They're pretty even with Carolina, and I think they're honestly pretty even with Dallas, but those are both road games, and, and I don't love I, them in that. Then they go week seven is even at Atlanta. So that's like, that's seven straight weeks where I don't think they're the favorite once. I, I'm with you, man. I think that's a brutal opening schedule, and there's a, that's a good chance. You know, they're two and five, one and six. I don't see them being 500 through that. 
and their their schedule gets a little bit easier towards the back half with teams like San Francisco, Tampa Bay, Chicago, and Indy in the back half. Those are four pretty winnable games. But you know, I would much rather play San San Francisco week one than week ten because in week ten Jimmy Garoppolo is going to be a better quarterback. And that's percent agree. And, and you know, I don't think Tampa Bay is going to be all that good this year. But who knows? What if Jameis has a resurgent year? And, and you know, by week twelve, Tampa Bay is a good team. And week thirteen, you know, Chicago. I think they're probably going to win that game. I don't think Mitch Trubisky's all that great. I don't think he's going to be that great. And then Indianapolis. You're basically giving Indianapolis the whole season to get Andrew Luck back. So then you're going to probably be facing a healthy Andrew Luck in week sixteen. There just aren't. The Giants just don't have any easy games this year. No, and you're looking at really. A bad cast, and that's probably low. After that first seven, you've got still four division games left because you still got to play the skins twice, and you're not going to probably sweep them this year. No, I mean, I think you're probably going to see splits against Washington and Dallas. I think we talked about in our first week. This division is, is a little bit, um, the, you know, the Eagles are going to be good, and then everybody else is kind of going to be more middle of the road, maybe above average type teams. So you're not going to – I don't think any team's really going to sweep another team unless they're Philly. So you're probably going to see splits against Washington and Dallas. But, again, looking at the schedule, I just – I don't see a lot of wins for the Giants this year. So I would – I think I'm with you that I'm going under 7.5. I think moving on to the Cowboys, though, staying in the division. At 8.5 there, I'm 100% locking in on the under. I, I, I do not think that is a – really an above 500 team this year, I think, without, I think people are really underestimating losing Dez and Witten. Is this a Slenderman guarantee right here? I mean, this is a, this is 100% a Slenderman guarantee. Yeah, you know, I'm with you that, that Dez and Witten are, are big losses. They really are. Um, you know, Witten, even more so, more so than his actual play, sort of a heart and soul guy for them, a safety blanket for Dez and Tony Romo even before him, where when you needed a big catch, third and six type of play, Jason Witten was that type of guy who, he, you know, he's going to find a way to get open. He's going to find ways to get open in the red zone and make big catches at big moments. They don't have a lot of talent at wide receiver. I think this one is, is well under eight and a half. No, I just look at who's playing on offense for them. Look at this depth chart. Yeah. Starting receivers, Alan Hearns, Terrence Williams. And then you're sitting there with Colt Beasley at the slot, whatever. And then tight end, you've got, I don't even know who this guy is, Jeff Swain. He's in his fourth year out of Texas. He's listed as their starter on the depth chart. He had two catches for 25 yards. I've never heard of him. And now they've they've got Zeke and Tavon Austin. What do you... The key is they have a they, the key is they're gonna have an again a really good offensive line, but Zeke's gonna be able to run the ball. They're gonna need to be a ball control team, and we you know we just talked about their defense uh, being pretty good, and they're gonna have a good defensive line. So if they're gonna have success, which I don't believe they will, it's gonna be as a ball control team. It's gonna be a team that controls the ball, plays good defense, gets after the quarterback, can make plays on defense, can turn the ball over. I don't think they're that talented in their secondary, so I don't really know if they're going to be able to to, to to be able to be a takeaway type of team, but that's what they're going to need to do to be successful. Moving ahead to the Washington Redskins. The Washington Redskins have their over-under at 7. The odds of going over are minus 130, and the odds of going under are minus 185. This was your dark horse. This was your dark horse Super Bowl team. 
So I think I know how you're going with this. But does the Geis injury play any kind of factor in your analysis? I mean, that hurts them. That's going to hurt them. But people are underestimating Chris Thompson's effectiveness early last year. I mean, really, we didn't need another running back for half the season. He was really, honestly, the best player on the team. And I think Alex Smith is just not going to go less than 500, honestly. I think he's proven enough that that's about his floor is 8-8. I'm actually a pretty big fan of Alex Smith. I think he's one of those guys who's, who's almost been talked about so much in the media and talked down about so much that he's actually a little bit underrated. Because he's a, he's a real game manager. Now, don't get me wrong, he's not going to win you anything. But he's the type of guy who he's going to be very reliable. And you know that the most important thing is he knows what he can do and he knows what he can't do. And quarterbacks in the NFL get in trouble the most when they don't know what they can and can't do. A perfect example of that is Jameis Winston. That guy has all the fucking talent in the world. He thinks he could be Superman and he's not. Right. And right. guys like that get themselves into trouble. Uh, I agree. I'm, I'm with you. I think Alex Smith is just, he's very solid. I think there's, like I said, their, their floor this year, I really believe is 8-8. I know that their ceiling is above anywhere 10-6, but I think they're not, they're going over 7. So I think we really need to talk about how there's going to be two Grudens coaching in the NFL this year. Do we, get, we don't get a Gruden Bowl, unfortunately. There's got to be the trash talk, though. Is this the first time two brothers have ever been head coached at the same no, time? No, Harbaugh's. Ah, that's right. They're like the less fun Grudens, though. Right. I feel like they're the more blue-collar Harbaugh. No, the Harbaugh's are pretty blue-collar, dude. He's from fucking Indianapolis, eat, drinking milk. Dude, he doesn't He doesn't let his players... Jim doesn't let his players fucking eat chicken because he's a scared bird. That's pretty blue-collar, if you ask me. I agree. I love the allegiance to red meat. But no, I think we're definitely disappointed not getting the Gruden Bowl this year. Moving on to Philly... Philly's over-under is at 10, and their over is, the over of 10 is minus 170, and the under is minus 140. I think that's, I think that's almost a lock-in over. I don't think there's any way they, they win less than 10 games coming off the Super Bowl victory. They're still clearly the best team in the division. So I have a question for you. Do you think they'd win 10 games with Foles as quarterback? If, I mean, we know Wentz is coming back, so this is kind of more of a hypothetical, but let's say there was a setback. No. Honestly, I think 10 is probably right on the money. Yeah. Yeah. But Wentz is the difference maker. Okay, we get one second. Is probably the Wentz is probably the difference maker here between the, the ten spot, but I I I don't think with Foles they could go much past ten. To be honest with you, but uh, but with Wentz I think they're twelve and four probably. Yes, I don't think they're go- they're they just they're gonna end up winning a lot of division games this year. They're gonna clean up the division. I, I really think. Yeah, I mean their schedule. Their schedule again. It's it's unlike the Giants. You know they get the the luck of getting Tampa in Indianapolis right away. Week two is Tampa. Week three is Indianapolis. The back half of their schedule is the one is the part that's hard. After their bye week, 
They play Dallas, New Orleans, the Giants, Washington, Dallas, the Rams, Houston, and then Washington again. But you have to think that, I mean, that's when Carson Wentz is going to really start to be coming back, hitting his stride, is after that bye week. He'll probably have played for a few weeks now. He'll get a little bit of a rest in the bye week, and he'll come out, you know, hopefully, hopefully you'd, lo- you'd like to see the guy come back healthy and, you know, be able to play up to his old standards. Yeah, and didn't he get married this offseason too? Wasn't he one of, I think I've heard he's one of these kind of crazy psycho God Squad virgin guys. So you know he's coming back stronger. Or maybe, maybe that goes the other way. Who knows? Maybe that's just a ton of pent-up aggression that's just been released and now he's going to go right poetry or something. Who knows? But I mean, that's... Well, by the way, did you see that Miles Garrett writes poetry? Did see that. What do you... You know, you know what? I, I actually have to say I love that. I love that. It's so counterculture to everything you would expect a defensive end in the NFL to be doing. And not only like a defensive end, but a good one who plays for the shittiest organization. It's like the most perfect symbol of the Browns. He's this great defensive end who writes poetry. And it just makes no fucking sense. Right. If he busts, we know why. But he's not going to. He probably won't, and he'll probably just be like this quirky guy who plays in Cleveland his whole career and like has a ton of sacks, doesn't really win anything. But you know, I think he's, I think he's gonna have a good career. He's gonna be, he's gonna be a real good player for them. And so I just did a quick, you know, Google search to see, maybe do a little bit of background research on Carson and see Carson Wentz and see if he's gonna be good this year. And his fiance looks exactly like you might expect her to look. But, you know, Carson Wentz, way to keep it in the fairway, baby. Keep it in the fairway. (laughs) Moving on to the NFC North. The first team we're going to look at is the Chicago Bears. They have an over-under of 6.5. Their over, which is inappropriately booked, is minus 190. And their under 6.5 is minus 125. I love Roquan Smith as much as the next guy. Actually, probably more than the next guy. But I don't think he's that much of a difference maker where this team is going to be winning more games than than they did last year. Mitch Trubisky is fine. This is not all that impressive to me. He hasn't been that impressive to me in the preseason. I'm confused, honestly. I'm I'm be honest. I'm confused by this one. I'm going under 100%. I'm confused on the odds, though. Why are their odds at minus 190 for over? Because I think people like the Bears right now. I don't understand that. I don't either. I think, I honestly think when you line the Bears up next to the Lions, the Lions are clearly the better team. Oh, far superior team. And now you're just like, okay, who, who are they going to be better than in the division? The Green Bay with Rodgers clearly better than them. And yep. The Vikings are clearly better than with them. And they can pretty much trot out anybody a quarterback to be honest with you and so honestly they're gonna win one maybe two division games this year i gotta think okay so their first four games are green bay seattle which i think are two losses but then they have arizona tampa bay miami then new england but then it's new york and buffalo so 
So they've got an easy schedule. Moving on to the Lions, I really like them over eight wins. I gotta think their schedule is pretty brutal. Sets like that, but I don't. I don't think it is. No, but they have they have eight, and to go over, they're at minus one fifteen. But to stay under, they're minus two hundred, which is which is not honestly not not all that unexpected. Gonna, they've got the. They're gonna be two and up to start the year, I think. I mean, they're playing the Jets and the Niners. Yeah, they also play Miami. They have Arizona on the schedule. They have Buffalo on the schedule. Those are winnable games for them. And then they've got Chicago twice. They've got Seattle at home. I actually think the Lions beat Seattle at home. Uh, you know, I, I actually, I'm, I'm very much on the Lions bandwagon. I, I said that they're, they, they're the type of team. If they get hot, they could honestly win the Super Bowl. I think Stafford's that good. I think they're going to be right around eight. I don't think they're going to go way over eight. But I, I, I you know, if, if I would put my money down, I'd be putting my money down that they would they would at least push on eight. Okay, now moving on to Green Bay over ten. Over under ten, even odds at minus one fifty five. I'm going over on this. Although I see a pass very much so where this pushes, to be honest with you. Yeah, I think Mostly a push is very likely. Um and then there's the obvious path of it going under. Aaron Rodgers gets hurt. Aaron Rodgers gets hurt. It goes under. That's that's the only chance. But it's it's a chance, you know. So that's that's in my opinion the only way they go under. Otherwise, they're they're easily going to get to ten. They could get to twelve. Um, but the Vikings are going to be good. So getting getting much more than 11, 12 wins is going to be tough for them. Yeah, I, I agree, hundred percent. I think uh, without Rodgers, you're right. They're, they're garbage. We saw that last year. Now in Minnesota, over under 10 and a half. Yeah, at, at, at minus 120 to go over and minus 195 to go under, I'm taking the over here because of the odds and because they're my Super Bowl pick, but mostly because of the odds. You know, they're more favorable odds to go over. Again, Green Bay's tough, so I don't think they're going to be much more than – uh, a 12-win team if they, if they are over. Um, I think it's 11-12 and 12 is probably the most likely, um, but it's very possible that they end up going 10-6. and six. I am actually with you on the over here. The Vikings, I think, could pretty much trot me out there quarterback and win 10 games. They're the antithesis so, of the Packers, right? Because it doesn't really matter who they have in there. Right. Dalvin Cook looks like he's healthy. Their offense is dope. Yeah. Great receivers, Diggs, Thielen, and Loki, he's really good. Uh, he abused his skins last year. Diggs is really good. Diggs is uh, Diggs is one of those guys who I think is going to have a, a breakout year for them. Yeah, so I, I, I'm, uh, I'm going over on this one. I, I agree. I think moving on to the, to, I think really what really is the toughest division in football at this point is the NFC South. It's all because of that Tampa Bay Buccaneers, baby. <laughs> uh, Atlanta, not over under nine and a half wins. I'm taking the over on that. Um, I think Atlanta's having a big bounce back here this year, and that's just that. <laughs> yeah, uh, they have the talent. They have the talent. Nine and a half for me is a lot. At minus one forty, that's pretty good. I, I, that's, yeah, I their odds are pretty like good to go over, but I don't know if I, I don't know if I love Atlanta to go over. 
10 wins is a lot for that team. They're going to be playing, you know, they, they obviously play the Saints twice. They play Carolina Panthers twice. But then on the opposite side of that, they do get the chance to play the Bucks, which is a little bit of a let-off. So, um, looking at the rest of their schedule, they get to play the the Bengals, but they have to play the Steelers. They have to play the, the Eagles, the Giants, the Redskins. They get the Browns, Arizona, Baltimore. I'm looking at it. I'm, as I look at their schedule, I look up and down their schedule, and, and I'm actually going to gonna gravitate to over the 9.5 wins just due to the fact that their schedule looks like they have some winnable games on there. I agree. Great. I think, uh, they're almost locked there at 10 wins. Moving over to the Panthers, who are at the over-under of 9, with the over being at minus 125 and the under being at minus 190. So my thing about the Panthers is I just don't know if they're getting better year year over year. You know what I mean? Yeah, they kind of seem like a team that's stayed consistent. But, but they went to a Super Bowl, so I don't really know what to make of this team, to be honest with you. My thing is, if... In a similar token, if Camp Newton gets hurt for them, what are they going to do? Yeah, they're screwed Cam Newton gets hurt. If he gets hurt. Yeah, the, Cam Newton gets hurt. But on the on the other side of that, you know, last year Greg Olson wasn't healthy. And if um, if Christian McCaffrey turns into a, a good running back, a really good running back, we could see something really special happen with this team. Because if you can have a dynamic guy come out of the backfield like him, as sort of a safety blanket for Cam, as Cam scrambles, Cam's gonna find McCaffrey, and if McCaffrey can become this like elusive, you know, back who can come out of the backfield catch, he can if he can add the running game a little bit more than he did last year. That's gonna be my X factor for this team. Is what what is Christian McCaffrey? Who is Christian McCaffrey, and what is he gonna be? I think yeah, I think the defense is is, is back. They're they're back to being good again. They they showed it last year. Uh, it's going to be whether or not that offense is going to be able to score. I mean, yeah, they have one of the strongest linebacking quarters. They've got Thompson, they've got Keekly, they've got Davis. I mean, that is a strong linebacking core. The question is, ever since they lost Josh Norman, their secondary has been kind of weak. And I don't know that they're going to be able to... I don't know that they've ever replaced him. You know, they're, they're trotting out uh, Dante Jackson and James Bradbury, and those guys are fine. They don't have they don't have anybody in the secondary that you're looking at being like oh now there's a player and I feel like that's important in today's game because it's such a passing heavy game. It is. Who are they trying out at safety? Mike Adams, who's pretty decent, and then Denoris Searcy. Whatever. I I don't even know him. I'm looking him up right now. He's 29. Seems like he played in in Buffalo last year. He was a fourth round pick by Buffalo out of North Carolina. Sounds like a journeyman. So they got a journeyman playing safety. Uh, it's not great for them. Mike Adams they, has been a good player. Mike Adams has been a good player, though. Um, there's something about Cam, though, man. Like, if he just, like, wins them some games, they can get hot. But I kind of don't really like this bet. I, I would probably take the under. Yeah. But I'd really probably leave that alone. I don't – I see – I very much see a path to where they win less than nine games. Yep. Uh, I think onto the Saints here, the opposite token, I really like the over on this. I think the Saints are uh, – Virtual shoe in for 10 wins. Drew Brees is at the point in his career where he pretty much knows how to not get hurt like all the great quarterbacks do. It's like by the time Brady keeps playing, 
just knows how to not take a hit. Peyton Manning did the same thing for till his arm fell off, you know. Yeah, uh, so the Saints are at over nine and a half wins is minus one eighty five and under nine and a half wins is minus one thirty. I'm with you. This one I think is the lock of the division here. Um, the Saints, like you said, Drew Brees what else can you say about him besides he's great? They had the offensive and defensive rookie of the years last year in Kamara and Lattimore. This team just seems like they are able to reload when they need to around Drew Brees. Seems like they're going to give Drew Brees a competitive end to his career here. You know, they have games against Tampa, Cleveland, um, Baltimore, Cincinnati. You know, that those are all winnable games for them. Not to mention, you know, they play the Rams, they play the Redskins, they play the Giants. The, I, I think, to me, that the, the 10 wins is, a, is pretty much a shoe-in for them. Yeah, moving on to I think a much more interesting proposition here is the Buccaneers. I think they are definitely going under the and a half wins. I think there's a good chance they're terrible. Dirk the odds, finally gets fired. The odds match that at minus 190 to go under and minus 125 to go over. The odds are kind of with you on that one. Dirk Cutter is almost reaching, like, Bogato territory with how terrible he is. How is he still have a job territory? Right. This man's not, this man's losing control. He, no, no, he's lost control. He's on the highway, on a bus, and spiraling out of control. He has put the ball in the rough. Right. And yeah, sure, managing Jameis, not easy, but you're the head coach, and you got to make sure he's not doing Jameis shit. Literally, literally your only job is to, as the head coach, connect with your quarterback, especially when you come in around the same time as a highly talented, you know, rookie quarterback. Like, Hugh Jackson is only going to be judged on one and only thing, and that is Baker Mayfield's development. If Hugh Jackson is the worst coach in the world, but if Baker Mayfield starts to play better towards the end of the season versus the beginning, he's going to keep his job, and that is that simple. Very much so, uh, but the Browns got to show improvement for Jackson to keep that job. Like they can't go 1-15 again, or he's gone, you know? If, if they go 1-15... And Baker ends the season with multiple games where he's thrown for 300 yards and multiple touchdowns. Hugh Jackson's keeping his job. That's how important the quarterback is. And that's how important the head coach-quarterback relationship is. And as you were saying, Dirk Cutter's honestly made Jameis worse. <laughs> right. I agree. Jameis was better. Jameis was better in college. Yeah, well, well Jimbo had him under control. <laughs> <laughs> All right, moving on to the NFC West. I think... Uh, a very interesting bet here is the Arizona Cardinals. They are at five and a half, but they're over for five and a half is minus two forty. They're under for five and a half is plus one ten. And this is a really interesting one to me because a lot of people are a little bit hot on Arizona going over. You know that's reflected in the odds of it being plus one ten. But for me, the the, the question is like. Are, are they going to start Sam Bradford at quarterback, or is it going to be Josh Rosen? I mean, Sammy Sleeves, when he, uh, when he plays well, and he plays, he's actually not terrible. I think it's kind of all about whether he makes it eight games. I do think Rosen can probably step in and play. I think this is, this is probably clear over to me, but that's why 
the odds are reflecting that. I'm probably not touching this at, at a minus 240 on over five and a half. I would probably touch this at plus 110 on the under because I don't think it's some kind of lock that they're going to go over. So if I, if I was going to put a bet down, I'd probably touch it at the, the under because I think it's possible that, you know, Sammy Sleeves either has a bad season or gets injured and Josh Rosen has, you know, a rookie season where he struggles. I could see it happening. And they play a decently tough schedule. So for me, I would probably put the bet of the under on this one. Moving on to the Los Angeles Rams. Their over-under is at 10 regular season wins, and it's minus 155 either way. I think this is a push. I'm not touching this one because I'm right there with you. I think this is a push. I don't think you're getting any kind of benefit on going over or under. So I'm, I'm giving you the, the JD doesn't touch this one. To the Niners, I'm 100% hitting the under on this, I think. Uh, at eight and a half, it's ridiculous. This is that Jimmy Garoppolo bullshit hype that makes no sense. I agree. Because even if Jimmy's good, they don't have a good team around him. Not yet. And I do like Shanahan, but I think... He's not worth eight and a half wins by himself. A great year this year would be eight and eight for them. That would be a great year. A great year. So I think we're in agreement on that. That's the easiest one. That's the easiest one I think we can do tonight. Moving on to the Seahawks. Last team of the night. Last team of the podcast. And this is really tough for me because the odds. I think actually this is another one I I wouldn't really touch. I think they're looking at another. I think they're looking at an 8-8 season. I kind of like them to go over in this one. Um, The odds are better at minus 125 to go over 8 than they are at the minus 190 to go under. Um, Seattle has actually a decently easy schedule because they play uh, the Chargers, they play the they play the the, um, the Niners twice, they play the Cardinals twice. I think there's a chance that that this team does actually go over. I think Russell Wilson maybe doesn't get enough praise as he deserves. I agree. I just think this. I think you're underestimating how shitty this team is around Russell Wilson right now. They've got the team is gutted. That whole nasty defense is now, like, I mean, it's no bodies. Their, the combination of their schedule and them still having Russell Wilson. This division, I think a lot, I think all the teams in this division are very overrated. you got to realize Earl Thomas still isn't in training camp yet. Yeah, that's going to be a big, that's a big factor. I assume he's going to play, but if he doesn't play, then, yeah, there's no way they're going over. How do you think they're, yeah. No, I, no I, that's, that's a really good point. Um. I, th- I just see this as a push. And without him, I mean, that defense is... It's not that good. Uh, no, it's, I mean, it's Bobby Wagner and a bunch of nobodies, you know? So Wilson can come out here and toss it around. Sierra can be going nuts on the sideline. Future can sure. be going nuts on the sideline. Right. Future can be... I mean, Future's going to have a good year, I think. He's going to like actually, it. Actually... going to be that good. Actually, Future's that... going to be eating it up. One of the... One of the so... Time to get in our, our last licks here on the pod. We'll go for last licks here. My last lick of the night is going to be right in related to the Seattle Seahawks. And the story of them, of Atlanta playing future before the playoff game and fucking rattling Russell Wilson, that's a top five NFL petty move. That's an NBA type petty move in the NFL. And for my last licks, I'm going to highlight that. Atlanta has a better season than Seattle this year. 
Interesting. I like that. Uh, now, this baby, you know, Future's baby, I believe, is also named Future. Oh, that's what I've been talking about. Does, I know, but does baby Future live with Russell? Because that's kind of funny if he does. Yeah, but also, if your dad is Future and your stepdad is Russell Wilson, you can basically get the plot of the Mark Wahlberg, Will Ferrell movie where Will Ferrell's like the loser stepdad and Mark Wahlberg's like the badass dad. Like, that is the dichotomy of that relationship. Baby Future, when he grows up, is going to want to be hanging out with Big Future, not Russell. Russell's going to be at home telling him he can't have sex till he's married type of shit. Future's going to be out in the fucking clubs with him. Atlanta's going to have a better season than Seattle. Last licks, there it is. I sort of throwing last licks in here. Yeah, let's get your last licks. John Gruden calling for Davis Bryant a white tiger today because that's pretty uh, that's pretty much as groomed as it's going to get yeah that one didn't make a whole lot of sense to me but then <laughs> but then I was like spider Y banana flex 300 gotcha Gruden I'm right there with you buddy <laughs> I used to go to Bush Gardens in Tambo called the white we called Joey Galloway the white tiger in Tambo you go to Bush Gardens and got white So you're going for a double scoop on last licks. Double scoop on last licks. Here it is. One last touch here. We're getting Joe Tessitore. Kind of good. Don't hate him. Great voice. Great in the Fight Night video games, got to say. But then we're going we're gonna to pair him with Jason Witten. Bring me somebody more vanilla than Jason Witten. Can I be honest? I'm just going to throw this out there. Monday Night Football is one of the more overrated. Monday Night Football, overrated. Oh, I don't agree, dude. Monday Night Football's the realest. They own Monday nights in the fall. They own two days of the week. Monday night? But then, Monday night then, football? Overrated. But then you've, I mean, the sideline team, I do like they got Booger McFarlane who's going to be on the Oh, defense. I love Booger. I, I'm and a big gonna, Booger guy. Honestly, I think they're going to end up moving Booger into the booths because he's going to end up being better than Wynn. And he's more qualified to be there. I think it's kind of, why is Witten just retiring and being an analyst? Tony Romo got him a job. Who even knows if he's good at this? Tony Romo got him a job. Romo should be doing it. What? Do you like Romo? Love Romo. Yeah, Romo's, Romo's pretty good. Yeah, Romo's pretty good. 